coming up on this episode of Nintendo Cartridge Society, we have one last funeral for the Wii. It's dangerous to go alone, so the Nintendo Cartridge Society goes with ya. Welcome to Nintendo Cartridge Society. My name is Patrick Ellers, and I am joined, as always, by my co-host, Mark Mitchell. We've got a good show for you today. We are going to be talking about the news in the week, including Mortal Kombat and Street Fighter coming to Switch, or not. Uh, and then on Thursday, we're going to be looking back on the year of Luigi and the decade that surrounded it. But Mark, in the meantime, how are you doing? Doing great. You know, Patrick, I feel like every time mm. we think we're never going to talk about the Wii again, because how could we at this point? Right. The Wii won't, first of all, the eShop doesn't work. Right. Um, and, uh, you know, who does standard definition gaming anymore? <laughs> and yet, we will be getting to another news item about the Wii. Speaking of things I cannot believe we are still talking about in 2020, my copy of Sonic Forces. Would you like to borrow it? You can. All you got to do is write to us, uh, email us at Nintendo Cartridge Society at gmail.com and give us a mailing address and we'll, we'll send it to you. Yeah, we will. That's an NCS promise. That's right. And look, I don't know if you know this about us, but we have kept... Every single promise we've made. When we signed that dare pledge in sixth grade. That's right. To now. Mm -hmm. Mark and I have never done drugs uh, or had alcohol, and we've certainly never done both together. <laughs> never. Um, something else I want to plug real quick. I've got an issue of Transformers coming out yeah, in a couple weeks. Yeah, this is super exciting. I wrote an issue of the comic book series Transformers. It is the Transformers Valentine's Day special. It is coming out on February 12th. It's about two robots falling in love with each other. It's glyph and tap out. If you're fans of Transformers or if you like any of my stupid garbage, uh, please check it out. Yeah, you should. You can go to your local comic book store yep. and pick it up, pre-order it even. Yeah, demand it. And <laughs> if you don't want to do that, you can buy it online. Yeah, absolutely. Or you can also just uh, wander into a comic book store at, at some point on the 12th or after the 12th. I bet mm -hmm. you would be willing to sign it for people. Oh, sure. I don't know how we'll make that work. Sure. If someone wants to email about us, uh -huh. Nintendo Cartridge Society at, at gmail.com gmail and get you get to show me that you bought the thing. Uh huh. And then you have to send it to me somehow. Yeah, or maybe you sign a headshot and send it to them, and they can put it in with look, the look. Uh, <laughs> comic book. Or I can uh, sign. Uh, can I make like stickers that have my signature? Mm, yes. <laughs> that seems dangerous. I yeah, don't want to. I don't want to be franchising. We'll out work my this signature. out. We'll work this out somehow. Maybe yeah. we'll give away a signed copy as a gift to somebody who rates us in the Apple Podcast. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. I mean, look. If nothing else, the issue of Transformers will be its own reward. Jack, that is the important part. Jack Lawrence yeah. did the art on this thing. Uh, he's a, a well-known um, Transformers artist who is amazing and draws the cutest Transformers you'll ever see. Um, so please do the cover check is so it cute. Out. The cover is adorable. Yeah. Every look, I fell in love with the Transformers. These two specific Transformers writing this issue, and then I forgot about them. And then I got the art back, and I was like, "Oh, I love them again." But you're so right, Patrick. I was trying to make this a thing. We don't need to make it a thing. It already is a thing. I mean, I like things. You know, I like pomp and <laughs> we'll circumstance. We'll see how it works. We'll out. We'll see how it works but out. Everyone should definitely buy the issue. Yes, one 
Hundred uh, percent, Mark. We've got a, a little bit of a task before us before we get to what we've been I love playing. It. Um, so we got a tweet from uh, listener Adam um, at and extinction. Um, that is his Twitter handle at and extinction. Um, and his his question goes like this: I am nearing completion on my 3ds backlog. I only have five games to go. Can you please rate them from worst to best? Are you ready, Mark? I am ready. Um, so they are Super Mario RPG. Bravely Default, Fire Emblem Fates, Pokemon X, and Super or Mario Sports Superstars. So here's the thing. Yes. I've only played one of those games, and it's Super Mario RPG. E- yes. So I have not played Bravely Default, but I know it by reputation. Mm-hmm. Ditto Pokemon. Uh, and I, I've played a little bit of Mario Sports Superstars, but it's uh, like I, I can confidently put that one on on worst and fire emblem fates yeah yeah sorry yes yes i played that one yes i played that one all right uh i mean i'm willing to pass judgment on things even though i have no information oh absolutely uh okay so what what do do you think is the worst on this list uh i i trust your gut that um mario sports superstars superstars yeah i mean the the real problem with mario sports superstars is that it is a um uh, you know the the phrase uh, uh, "jack of all trades, master of none." Mm-hmm. Um, that is this, except it is not even a jack of all these trades. It's more like a seven. Of, is this the one that was of all made trades. by Square Enix, or was that on the DS? No, you are thinking of uh, Mario Three on Three Hoops. I am. Uh, made that by is Square exactly Enix. What I'm of. It is Mario characters, yeah. but it is also Final Fantasy characters. There's yeah. a white mage in there, a black mage. It's awesome. That's... I mean, it's also bad. <laughs> But it's an awesome idea. Yes. That is what I'm thinking of. So yeah, I'm fine having that one at the bottom. Okay. Uh, next next from the bottom, look, this might be controversial. I'm going to say Pokemon. Yeah, I, I am fine with that as well. Um, especially because um, there are newer Pokemon games you can play on your 3DS. Mm-hmm. Yep, that's also for me. we don't like Pokemon that much. <laughs> um, oh no, I've, I've, uh, I've lost the list. Uh, hold on. Okay, remaining are Super Mario RPG, Bravely Default, and Fire Emblem Fates. Okay, so uh, I'm gonna say Super Mario RPG is at the top F- for me as well. That yeah. th- it it is also um uh, between those two going to be or between the remaining three the most like digestible like sm- shortest of the RPGs. Yes, while well, not being like dismissively short. Right. Um, and then uh. Two games I haven't played. Yeah, uh, and I haven't played Bravely Default. I like Fire Emblem Fates, but I think it's the worst one on the 3DS. I think the other two are both better. Um, and it's also, uh, it, it's like sort of extra mechanic. We w- talked the other week about how um, Three Houses has like the sort of monastery, like uh, you're teaching your students, like that that's sort of the extra mechanic tacked on. Um, Fates has a thing where you're like, it's like a, you're building like a fortress that like other players can visit and like try to attack and you can attack other people. No one's playing Fire Emblem Fates anymore. So like you're not, it, that sort of connectivity is going to be lost on it. Also, I'm just curious, Adam, which like version do you have? Right? Because weren't there like mm-hmm. three different ones? The third one was like a combination of the other two. Yeah. Yeah. That I, th- This is all correct. And also like, how do you feel about Fire Emblem games? If you're like a Fire Emblem, um, like purist and hardcore, the, the third of the the three, and I don't remember what they're all called now, um, but one of those versions is really really tough, um, and uh, requires you to do some like serious thinking and strategizing. So if you're looking for that, uh, maybe put that at the second best. But other otherwise, I'd say probably Bravely Default. 
So, and then you can be ready for Bravely Default too. Yeah, there you go. Um, all right, great. Mark, are you ready to get into what we've been playing this week? Yeah. Do you think it's necessary for me to respond when you say, are you ready? I feel like I don't have a good way. Oh. I usually say, yeah, let's do it. Here, here's the thing. And I was and I was hoping for just the, those two extra syllables. Um, just because, like, all I have to do is find the button on my keyboard and push it. But when I start asking the question, I'm not ready to push the button yet. <laughs> so m- maybe I should just commit to always saying, yeah, let's do it. Or you could be like, hey, Patrick, now I think is a good time for us to transition <laughs> into the next segment. And then I'll be like, great. <laughs> all right. That's fine. Maybe we can get that written down and notarized, too, while we're at it. Perfect. Um, and then all I'll right, make a so... sticker of my signature and <laughs> mail it to you. Um, you and I played some games together this weekend. We did. Uh, we played some Overcooked with mm-hmm. Sarah as well, um, which uh, maybe was a bad... Not. I had a very fun time. Maybe it was a bad move for us to start playing that game after a couple drinks and already at like 9.30 yeah, at night or late. something. Mm-hmm. Like we were already starting to fall apart. And then we put on Overcooked. <laughs> But it was fun. We got through a bunch of levels mm-hmm. and um, were f- at first very uh, strictly sticking to like, let's get three stars on all of these. And then somewhere around like the third or fourth world, we were like, mm, no, maybe not. Maybe not. Um, it's also interesting that like you have to fail an overcooked level like once. Yeah. So that way you're, you know what kind of mess you're in. Y- yes. And then you can kind of stra- strategize. But really the strategy most of the time just comes down to saying what you're doing. Yeah, yes. Yeah. A lot of times strategy comes down to just uh communicating that you're overwhelmed. There was the, we were in one section where uh Sarah and Mark were like trapped on one side of the map and we're just like chopping stuff and I was trapped on the other side of the map like actually assembling the burgers or whatever it was. And there <laughs> the they were both so like uh diligent about chopping vegetables um that like I just had them all over we the floor your everywhere. Out. I couldn't even see. We lost. It was, it was not it was too a much good stuff. run. Um, I've also been looking for kind of a digestible. Oh wait, wait, wait! We should talk about Shovel Knight Showdown. Yes, we also, we, we also played Shovel Knight Showdown, um, which I talked about a little bit when um, the King Knight DLC came out, um, and sort of glossed over it. But then you and I got a chance to play it together, uh, and I got to say, playing it two player was a lot of fun. Yeah, I had a, I did, I had a surprising amount of fun. Um, Shovel Knight Showdown um, starts out uh, feeling like kind of a bare bones um, thing where there are like eight playable characters and maybe just as many uh, levels to to fight in. Um, and then it's it's less like a fighting game and more, uh, I don't know, how, how would you describe? Yeah, so you're on a level like a fighting game level, but in the modes we were playing most of the time anyways, like the goal is to collect a number of gems yeah. that show up on the map like randomly or they spawn at certain times. And then if you die or if somebody like knocks it out of you, they lose gems. Um, so yeah, it has, it really has like, it's a mix between fighting and platforming. Yeah. So that made it way more appealing to me than if it was just like a straight up fighting game. Yeah. And like for the most part, you don't like, you don't just go after someone to fight them. Like you can, you can beat someone by uh clearing their their like livestock right mm-hmm. um but fighting for the most part really just serves to like knock someone into a pit or like uh, just get them away from you yeah while they're just you're like going skirmishes yeah they're just like weird little encounters um and uh the game has uh pretty quickly 
um, revealed more characters, more levels, more game modes, um, lots of alternate costumes for characters. Um, and so it, it seems like there is a lot there if you start to put some time into it and uh, it just like keeps rewarding you with more stuff. Yeah, I thought it was really fun. Um, yeah. So I put away, uh, you know, I finished. Childish things. I put away childish things. I finished Fire Emblem Three Houses. Right. I had started Dragon Quest Eleven S Echoes of an Elusive Age Definitive Edition for the Nintendo Switch. Thank you. But after starting it, I was like, this is too much. Like, I can't dive right back into a um, another, like, big adventure like this. Right. And so this weekend when I had a little bit of time, I was just like, I'm just going to play Super Mario Brothers 3. Yeah. Just play Super Mario Brothers 3. Yeah. Um what how, how did you play it did you just uh play it the way you're like you were used to playing it as a kid or did you do like i'm gonna play all the levels like how, how did you yeah it? i've been clearing like uh world by world like doing everything in a world but ever since they added the rewind feature it's really hard not to use it yeah but sometimes using it like takes away some of the fun because oh, it yeah, just like absolutely. removes like all sense of danger and in a game like mario brothers 3 where it's like if you die, it's not that big of a deal. Yeah. Um, but so sometimes I'll like out of instinct, like hit the <laughs> hold L and R, so that way it'll like trigger it, and then be like, oh no, I should just like eat this one. Yeah. The uh the rewind function on the NES Switch Online is such that I don't feel like the need to, or not like the I don't feel the compulsion to spam mm, it, mm-hmm. um, because it doesn't like rewind in real time. It like rewinds like a couple seconds at a time. Um, in the Disney Afternoon Collection, it is like you just hold one of the triggers and it starts to rewind. Um, because you know those are all uh, NES games. I guess so is the NES. Anyway, <laughs> um, but like that, it will just like reverse it. So like, there's no fine tuning it. You just gotcha. like, oh, I yeah. messed up that jump, and there I'm back. Yeah, uh, to doing it again. I also uh looked up how you get those treasure ships. Yeah, you know, how, um, and apparently. I've forgotten it now. I'm not going to look it up again. But it's only on worlds one, three, five, and six. Okay. And like the formula for getting it, even after reading it, I was like, I have no idea how to trigger this. Doesn't it have something to do with like the timer and yeah, like it's your like score? timer and the number of coins, and yeah. then like it being like a multiple of eleven, and your score has to be like a multiple of that multiple of eleven or something like that. I mean, the thing that's dumbest about those coin chips is that your reward is just getting a bunch of coins. <laughs> Right and a one up that's like blue for some reason in the NES, and then you have to fight those two uh, boomerang th- guys at the end. Yeah, yeah. Who then they could kill you. Yep. Um, but you don't get like a warp whistle or anything cool. Nothing. Um, Mark, I've been playing Celeste because I was on sale. Yeah, I'm so excited for you. Here's here here's a, a just a, a fun little um thing a, b- a bunch of great uh indie games are on sale right now killer queen black is 10 bucks and they just added um support for eight players on one switch so if you were holding out on um picking up killer queen black now's a good time to do it i also grabbed that i haven't played it yet um and celeste which was like six and a half dollars um and i i picked it up and i spent some time playing it today game's good I don't know what else to say about Celeste, uh, and it, that's a well-known um, statement at this point, but Celeste is good, and I will report back as I continue to play. Um, speaking of games I continue to play, Dragon Quest XI S Echoes of an Elusive Age Definitive Edition for the Nintendo Switch, uh, I went back to it. Which you weren't sure you were going to. I was not sure that I was going to, because I rolled credits on it uh, a few weeks ago, and uh, got to... 
you know, the the game lets you go back in, and uh, there is uh, a like the it's it even weird to call it post game because it is so much of the game. Uh, and I've put a good eight, nine, ten hours in the game since I rolled credits, um, and it feels more like open and a little less guided in in the end game here, um, but no less uh, like intriguing. Um, there are, there are, it's almost like the game starts to break its own rules in the third act where like, there are missions that I have that I know I have like tasks that I know the game wants me to perform that aren't main story mission stuff. And they're not like the side quests that are marked the way the game marks side quests. Um, but like just tasks I know I need to fulfill. It's very strange. Mm. Like it feels way more self-guided, um, and that way a little bit less, gamey and a little bit more real um so like that that's very interesting um and like uh, i'm getting to places where there are like combat trials um where i need to be like way leveled up and like really one of the things about dragon quest is that like you get to a point where you're like my guys are fine you know (laughs) i'm just gonna set them all to auto fight they'll be fine um but like i'm i'm coming up against uh fights that are too difficult for me or too difficult under like the constraints that it's giving me in these uh, specific trials. Um, and so that's really fun to try and like think about Dragon Quest combat in a strategic way. So in the fiction of the world, you went back in time to fix like s- or change something that happens yes. to a single character out yes. of, but you could do it for your entire party. So theoretically, like after whichever character you chose it for this time, you started a new save file. Could you go back to that original save file? And choose it for a different character, and would the experience be different? So that's not exactly what oh, what, okay. what would happen. One, your main character goes back in time, right? But yes. you're like, okay, yeah. I mean, I haven't played it, so right. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I, and I, yes. So you go back in time, and then, um, like everyone else is back where they were. So like your level sixty guy is like running around with you're like level 37. Right. But like, I thought like part of you going back was so you could correct something that happened or change something that happened to the characters. Mm -hmm. But it's like each individual character. And again, haven't played this. Tell me if I'm wrong. Each individual character had something like traumatic happen to them. And are you going back in time to change it for everybody or for like one specific character? So this is a little bit the bummer. You are going back in time to fix like what like there is one character who went through something that you like are very specifically going back to erase that oh okay um, but it also means that everyone's experiences uh in the amount of time that you've like time traveled past has also been erased yeah i see so there are some like de- like character development beats that it was weird to sort of like watch that character have to deal with that same stuff again and like maybe deal with it in a less good way the second time. So is it like a weird new game plus? No, it's not even that because it's only like it's like halfway through the course of the game that mm. you get sent back to. So it's I mean like it is very strange. Um, and I get why they call the place where you roll the credits at the end of the game. Um, because it feels like that's the for me that's the end of the like the canon story. And what I'm doing now is just like more fun thing that i'm you know it's it's an excuse to keep playing yeah that's cool that's cool um all right so that's what we've been playing this week let's get into the new releases and what we might be playing next week (laughs) 
seeing the trick with that one is a lot of that is on autopilot. So I can start saying that while looking for the button to push on my computer. <laughs> All right. Today, Kentucky Route Zero TV Edition is released on the Switch eShop. Is this, this one's a long time coming, right? Right. So it's a point-and-click adventure that was crowdfunded, I think, in, like, 2012. Um, and I was looking at the crowd, the, like, it raised, it met its goal, but its goal was less than $10,000. Oh. And it's been released in chapters, I think five chapters. And um, the fifth chapter is coming out today. And with that is the TV edition, which is like the home console version. Yeah. So I don't know. It's this been this game like seven years in the making. Um, it's a like point and click adventure game. I have never played any of it, but it has a really good reputation, especially now that it's ended. I'm so curious if it's like, a side project that people have been working on over the past seven years in addition to doing other stuff or yeah. they have just been able to like turn this into a ongoing thing. Yeah. Cause that's very a lo- cool either way. It's a long time for like an episodically released. Yeah. Game. With like, not like a huge, you know, like multi-million dollar crowdfunding yeah. budget or anything. This is like in that. final fantasy seven remake. <laughs> right. Yeah, exactly. Um, and then also Byleth is, uh, in smash today. Yep. Probably like, like it or not later <laughs> this afternoon because I saw that like Nintendo UK was like it's coming on Wednesday. Oh, okay. So it's probably later tonight. Well, and also like any time that a Nintendo anything is coming out in the eShop, like don't expect it to happen. Right, like at, nine a.m. At, at midnight. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Also, our number one ranked Mii Fighter costume. Yeah, is going to be in in this uh, collection, and that's just uh, that's a little like teaser. So go back and listen to the episode, see what we ranked as number one last Thursday, and then on this Thursday, January thirtieth, the Arcade Archives Tech Mobile is released uh, just in time for the Super Bowl this weekend. Hey, that's perfect, um, Mark. I can't help but notice that you skipped over on uh, on Tuesday a game on the eShop called "It Came from Space and Ate Our Brains." <laughs> I did only because I don't know anything about it. Great yeah, title. I, that's look. That's all I wanted to mm-hmm. point out is that it came from space and ate our brains. Is a perfect title for a video game. Perfect title. And I think that's pretty much it. Uh, yeah, yeah. I think that's right. Are you gonna pick up Tech Mobile? Uh, no. I don't really have any fondness for the uh, NES version. Mm. This is, of course, the arcade version where you could play with up to four people instead of just, like, the two um, on NES. And also there was, like, I'm sure the graphics were better and all that kind of stuff. Do you have a, like, go-to football game in your yeah, mind? Yeah, Madden 97. Madden 97? Yes. Yep. Mutant League football for the Genesis. Oh, yeah, that's a good one. <laughs> all right, Mark, let's close this out. Now it's time for a regular segment on our show. It's time for 433. In 1952, American composer John Cage wrote a piece called 433, wherein a performer or a group of performers didn't play their instruments for four minutes and 33 seconds. For the purposes of this show, our instruments are talking about Nintendo. So for the duration of one performance of 433, Mark and I will talk about something not at all Nintendo-related, thus fulfilling the contract of the piece. Um, Mark, you have set upon us a quiz. Is this correct? Yes. Yeah, we have two to choose from. Okay. Um, we have from the Washington Post. Can, <laughs> can you tell a fake Lifetime movie from a real one? Okay. Or our other option from How Stuff Works is: Are these Hallmark Christmas movies real or made up? So I will let you choose which one of the two we do. Well, I'm just going to say that it is no longer Christmas, so let's do the other one. Okay. So here we go. 
Although, um, even though it is no longer Christmas, if you want to go back and listen to our Christmas Carol episode, we did a really nice job, and I think it's really good. You should go back and listen to it. Uh, can uh, yeah, should definitely become a perennial. Yes, right. Mm-hmm. Um, while you're putting up the Christmas tree, can you tell a fake Lifetime movie from a real one? Here we go. Uh, Dear Santa: Colon Why? Question mark. A small Santa is wrongly accused of theft at the food court. He falls in love with a sexy elf, a former lawyer disbarred for a crime she didn't commit, who helps clear his name. Real uh, or fake? Okay, well, first of all, I resent the fact that this is a Christmas movie. <laughs> uh, I'm going to say fake. Okay. This, this one doesn't seem real to me. I also think it's fake. So here we go. We were correct. It is fake. Yes. Uh, what, what what tipped it off for you? Um, The level of like um the specificity for whatever yeah. reason like there, there's a little bit it's a little bit too cute that the sexy elf used to be a lawyer but was disbarred for a crime, crime she, she didn't, didn't commit. commit yeah right like it's it's all a little like too tight there's a lot going on there mm-hmm. bounce back a woman i'm saying based on the t- title i'm leaning towards uh real me too a woman bounces a check but a kindly teller gives her a break Turns out he's her secret biological father with a secret. Oh, 100% this is real. Okay, this has right. got to be real. We're voting real. No, what? it's fake. Okay. I guess it's not, that's not sexy enough. <laughs> Do I, right. Like the fact that it's her father. Her secret biological father. Yeah, like it's, it's, it's like, not, a, it's not enough. Yeah. Uh, I mean, we say that hindsight in 2020. Well, of course. Uh, deadly sibling rivalry. A pair of twin sisters are always fighting, and things didn't get any better when one slips into a coma after a car accident, and the other steals her identity. Mm, that feels real. Okay. Stolen uh, identities, uh, slipping into comas. That that sounds real. Do we think it's based on a true story? I'm fine with going with real. It is. It is, in fact, Perfect. real. Digital Nightmare. A woman tries to figure out who killed her boyfriend who she met on an online dating site. She visits the site under a pseudonym to look for suspects. I'm going to say real. What What is the name of it? Digital Nightmare. Digital Nightmare. I'm going to say fake. Okay. But uh, you can choose whichever you like. <laughs> well, I, well, I'll click fake. I get to see whether it's right or wrong either sure. way. Uh, it is indeed fake. What tipped you off? Um, Digital Nightmare, well, a bad title is the wrong kind of bad. Mm. Um, you know, the, the, it, this, it should be something... More, I, I don't, I don't have a good pitch, but like, yeah, it's it's not colorful enough with the language, right? Um, well, speaking of which, how about this one? The party never stops. Diary of a binge drinker. A college freshman learns a deadly lesson about the dangers of too much partying, and it's her best friend who pays the price. Yeah, that's real. Okay, um, it is in fact real. A little thing called murder. Ooh, a con artist uses her young son as an accomplice as she scams rich people for all their worth. I'm feeling a disconnect between the title and the description. Say the title again. A little thing called murder. Unless her son's name is murder. <laughs> Look, don't do that to your kids. <laughs> don't name your child murder. Uh, I'm going to say fake. I'm also going to say fake. It is real. What? Yeah. Murder Cabin. A reality dating show takes a... Oh, oh I guess. Well, well, that one is fake. Just okay. so you know. <laughs> murder, mur- well, murder Cabin? Mm-hmm. Uh, a little thing called Murder Cabin. Not real. We were accompanied today by the GVSU New Music Ensemble. All right, Mark. Let's get into the news. Reggie fils the beloved former president of Nintendo of America, was on an episode of the Present Value podcast back at the end of December. 
this is a uh, student-produced podcast from Cornell University where Reggie is currently the leader in residence at the Dyson School of Applied Economics and Management. Mm-hmm. Um, for whatever reason, this past week, even though the ep- the episode was uh, premiered on released, that's the word I was looking for. Mark, at you, the end you of released December two podcasts every week. <laughs> no, I premiere them. Uh, so <laughs> you, you unveil them, <laughs> even though it was we christen them with a champagne <laughs> bottle every time. With uh, even though it was at the end of December, released at the end of December for some whatever reason, uh, it was picked up on this past week. So some quotes from his interview started making the rounds, including he talked about the origins of "My Body Is Ready." The famous meme. Now, look. Present value uh, podcast hosts. I get that, like, Reggie's there. So, like, you gotta... Like, the questions are gonna get a little nerdy. Yeah. Um, But, like, that's not why he's there, right? (laughs) (laughs) No, and he... There's some... good like business-minded stuff later yeah this one uh it's actually the origin of it is pretty interesting so he says quote the my body is ready statement when you're preparing for an e3 presentation there's lots of rehearsals we make sure everything is going to go right and for this introduction of we fit and the we balance board it was myself shigeru miyamoto our most well-known game creator and his translator a good friend of mine by the name of bill trinan and we were rehearsing this over the course of a couple three days it got to be a little monotonous and every time i would go to step on the balance board i would make I would be making some sort of wisecrack or another. And late in the rehearsals, I said, my body is ready. And it was the first time I, that I actually got Mr. Miyamoto to laugh. He thought that statement was pretty funny. So it was, hey, I got a winner here. And we continued to practice and, can, and I continued to do different things. So no one on stage knew what I was going to say. And yet here we are. The experience is being videotaped. We're broadcasting it out. And I made that statement. And yes, it's a meme out there. Um, it's a meme out there, ladies and gentlemen. Yep. Uh, I... This is the kind of thing that I do love, um, where it's just like, I don't know, I said it, and uh, we all recognize that it was weird, and now right. we all love it. Yeah. Um, more of that, please. And also, yeah, if I, if, uh, I feel like Miyamoto would be a great t- uh, you know, test audience. Like, think, if he, he likes something, yeah, I would totally be like, good. oh. Do you think it's tough to make thing. him laugh? I do think it's tough to make him laugh. Mm, especially in like a business setting. I think he's like a Willy Wonka t- type where he yes. is whimsical to a degree, but is probably very, I think he's generally, I think he's like a kind person, but generally fairly serious. Sure. And like when you're around him, you're like, he's really cool. I don't think he likes me. Right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yes. Um, also, when talking about building a brand, this is where we get into a little bit more like business-minded. Yep. Reggie talked about branding strategy early into his tenure at Nintendo. So before becoming president of Nintendo of America, Reggie joined at the end of 2003 as an executive vice president of sales and marketing. Yeah. Um, and he says, quote, from a branding standpoint, we had to be clear in what Nintendo as a brand stood for as well as what the individual franchises stood for. I'll give you an example. When I joined Nintendo, there was a sense of almost shame that Nintendo appealed to young consumers and that the marketing team at Nintendo of America started doing things with the logo, that classic Nintendo logo in an oval. They would put it into graffiti style or they'd do different things to try and age up the logo. And I put a stop to that because that is not our brand. What we needed to do was, yes, appeal to a broad swatch of consumers, but we need to do it based on what the brand stood for and not doing it in some false way. Um, that's very interesting. Um, and also, like, it's interesting that obviously in that moment, they saw like any kind of riffing on the logo as aging it up. Um, when in reality, what they're doing is aging it to 
like a specific they're dating it right, right. um and so it it's not really maturing it so much as it is uh tying it to a specific year um and like a graffiti looking uh logo feels very you know late 90s early 2000s mm-hmm. um and like would look dated and like juvenile now so like smart choice reggie yeah do you remember, uh there was a time in Going to be talking about theme parks for a second. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so after Epcot Center uh-huh. at Disney World, they dropped the center part. And for a while, it became like Epcot name of year. I think they did it twice. So an, the first one was Epcot 94. And that was technically the official name of the park. Really? It was Epcot 94. And then they did it again in Epcot 95. And then wow. I think that was the last time they ever did it. We're like, you know, the official name of the park was Epcot 95. And you're right. Like, it immediately... Like, it doesn't make you feel contemporary. It immediately, like, dates you. Yeah. And, like, even the idea of uh, naming a product the name of the year feels very mid-90s, right? Totally. Mid, mid to late 90s. Like, uh, you know, I think of Windows right away. Um, and, you know, I, I guess uh, the in as far as video games are concerned, you, you see that in, like, sports franchises. That's a very specific kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, that that is very funny how, like, and an attempt to modernize something is also frequently uh, just tying it to the current year. Yeah. For a brief moment last week, it seemed like Street Fighter V might be coming to Switch. Now, this is crazy. So EB Games Canada tweeted last week that Street Fighter V Champion Edition was coming to Switch. But that turns out to not be the case. Um, after the tweet, Street Fighter's King... Uh, <laughs> Yoshinori Ono confirmed yep. that the game is not coming to Switch. Uh, the EB Games tweet was also removed. Um, where'd you get that language from? The King language. I was trying, you know, <laughs> just like Premiere. Yeah. I was trying to think of what his like title. He's probably the producer. He's probably the series producer. Yeah, that, game I, think, director. I think that's probably right. Yeah, I mean, Yoshinori Ono is also um, does a pretty good job of being like the public face of the like For Street sure. Fighter part of, especially of Street Fighter Five. He's the one that's had to take all the crap. Because he's on Twitter, right? He's like yes. the recognizable face. Yeah, of the but franchise. I mean, he, he was also like front and center for four. No, no, um, no, for well. sure. But I just mean like, yeah. Um, but and also a uh, Street Fighter Tekken too. Like he was. Um, uh, I remember seeing a lot from him during. Uh, When's the that time Tekken that Street Fighter out. game coming? Never. It's never going to come out. But that's on. Uh, that's on the Tekken team. That's right. not a, a Capcom game. Um, but this was a, a particularly weird because a Street Fighter has or Street Fighter Five is basically a PlayStation, uh, it is a PlayStation exclusive. It's also on um, PC, PC, but like it's not on Xbox. Uh, so it would be very strange if it came to Switch. Um, I love uh, Ono's tweet about this where he's like, oh, wow, cool. I didn't know we were working on it. Like, <laughs> right, he's, yeah. He's, such, he's being such a little like troll about it. it, it it's great. Um, and it, it would be... I mean, any anytime uh, a a fighter or any sort of online heavy game comes to Switch, I'm like, oh, you know, it, yeah. Like, what what's the point of getting it there if you can get it on another platform? If you're gonna play online, and especially for a a one on one fighter, like you need to have a connection that actually mean that actually works, mm-hmm. um, in order for uh, fighting games to really function online. I was even trying to play Street Fighter Five on my PlayStation the other day which is hardwired in um, and everything. And like, there's lag in that still. Um, So yeah, I I couldn't really imagine playing it on switch, but 
uh, just like cl- all classic 90s rivalries. So Street Fighter isn't coming to Switch, yes. but maybe Mortal Kombat is. Maybe. So uh, more, a, a game called Mortal Kombat Collection Online mm-hmm. was rated in Europe for Switch by the European ratings board, Peggy, which of course... Uh, is the European Rating yes. Board. Yes, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I like read that stuff out of order. I was riffing. Yeah. And it it's came like back jazz. to buy me. Yeah. Okay. So this is what the uh, description of the game states. It says, Mortal Kombat Collection Online is the original Mortal Kombat trilogy that Mortal Kombat fans always wanted. Upgraded art, gameplay, and online features provide an incredible experience that revive the classics. So... One thing to note here is that this is different from the Mortal Kombat trilogy game that was available on uh, Nintendo 64 and a couple other platforms. And also those versions were all different from each other as well. Um, But those games were, uh, the old Mortal Kombat trilogies were one game with all the characters in them. Um, And this looks like it is a collection of the arcade versions of Mortal Kombat 1, Mortal Kombat 2, and Mortal Kombat 3. Yeah, interested to see what they mean by upgraded art. Um, I would guess just like up for mm-hmm. for high definition, right? Widescreen, maybe? Maybe widescreen, but widescreen would like drastically change Oh sure. What the like the makeup of the field would be, right? Yeah. Like it it, it, it would fundamentally change the fights. Yeah. Yeah. Um so I would guess that there are, you know, like arcade like art um on, on the left and right. Mm-hmm. I guess we'll find out. Or we won't. Or we won't, and it doesn't exist. Who knows? Uh, When it was revealed last year, it seemed like Persona 5 Scramble was basically just like another Hyper Warrior type game. Oh, I know. We wrote it off like that. (laughs) We're like, Koei Tecmo, you know, they have like a popular IP, and they're like, we can make a Musou game out of this. They can make a Musou game out of anything. (laughs) Yeah, they're really good at it. Um, But the company seems to be positioning Persona 5 Scramble more as like an action RPG sequel. Rather than just like a mashup, like we saw with like Fire Emblem Warriors and stuff. Uh, so when you say sequel, does that mean it is uh, like it takes place after the story of yes, Persona? Yes, oh, apparently, yeah. So um, Koei Tecmo d- uh, director Kazutoshi Sekiguchi told Dengeki PlayStation, "Quote: Our company has many per- Persona fans. At first, they proposed a Persona Muso or like Warriors type game. However, in the story." F- in the story-filling stage, we decided to make it into something that delves deeper into the characters of Persona 5. After some twists and turns, it ended up becoming an action RPG that told a continuation of Persona 5. Now, that is interesting, right? Right. Because um, I'm much more interested in an action RPG than I am in a Musou game. Me too. But that also makes me feel like I need to have played Persona 5. Right. So it actually makes it almost less likely. Mm. Not that I, I wasn't going to play Persona Five Scramble anyway. Right. I, I don't. I don't think. Um, Mark, what do you look? I made a prediction uh, at the beginning of this year that we will not hear anything about Persona Five coming to Switch until after um, uh, Persona Five Royal comes out on PlayStation Four, and then we also won't hear anything about it after that. We <laughs> right. We'll just never hear we about it. We'll just never hear about it. I think that holds true. All right. Great. Yep. Uh, one other note, it was also said that the goal of Persona 5 Scramble was to make a fun story, since Persona 5 is pretty dark. Oh, interesting. So they're like going for a little bit of like a tonal 
shift. Yeah, they just want to like, oh, here's like these characters uh, like going on an adventure together, having fun. See, that's funny. I thought uh, I thought this was going um, that the goal was to make a fun story versus normally it's about just to like hack and slash stuff, right? <laughs> but no, it's this is a fun story because the previous story was a bummer. Yes. Okay, yeah. Great. Exactly. Um, and then finally, our piece of Wii news for the week. The era of the Wii is truly at an end, question mark. Mm-hmm. Nintendo has announced that it will stop accepting repair requests for the Wii in Japan after March 31st, 2020. So April 1st, you will no longer be able to rec- like send your Wii into Nintendo of Japan for them to repair it. Apparently, spare parts are expensive and hard to come by. So they're like, so they just deemed it not worth it. Sayonara, Wii repairs. Um, so that that's uh that's the end of the Wii hardware. Uh, we saw the last uh Wii game released last year, Just Dance 2020. Uh-huh. Um, uh, you can't buy anything on there anymore. Uh, it's the end of the Wii. You would think, yeah. But I I look forward to like in three months talking about the Wii again in some capacity. Um, what do you what? Really, there could have been two mm. news stories this, about the Wii this week, but I skipped over one of them because it was, like, patent news. Like, Nintendo had been sued by some patent company for... I guess we're talking about it anyways. But here Nintendo it is. had been <laughs> sued. Here's a, here's a by, half-remembered <laughs> yeah, news story. By some patent company for the technology that was in the Wiimote. Yeah. And they had been... Like, there had been a multi-million dollar set, uh, penalty. Nintendo lost the first trial. And there was like a multi-million dollar penalty uh, uh, given t- against them, but then that was overturned, um, but on appeal. So the look, end. the the we may be dead, but the battle over it rages on. <laughs> right. All right. Let's get out of the news. Okay, that is going to do it for this episode of Nintendo Cartridge Society. Remember, please rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts. If you like the episode, you can share it on Facebook or Twitter or wherever you share stuff. You can follow us on Twitter. I'm at Patrick underscore Ellers. Mark is at MKE Mitchell, and the show is at Nin Cart Society. Um, we are also on Facebook, and the page is just called, hey, Nintendo Cartridge Society. Except without the hey. That was just me like getting your attention uh, or getting my own attention. Olivia Duncan made our logo. Our theme music is provided by Ape Betty. You can get more of his music by going to apebetty.com or by listening right now. For my co-host, Mark Mitchell, this is Patrick Ellers saying you can check out the fun version of this show on NCS Scramble. And thanks for listening. Hey, Rachel, Oscar. Yeah, Claire? Claire? Do you love Disney movies? Uh Uh-huh. Have you seen them all? Not Not all of them. them. What do you guys think if we watch them all in chronological order and then talk about them? Ooh. Oh, and what if we could talk about it with some of our favorite friends? (gasps) I love that. Yeah, and what if we do it inside the Disney Vault? You know, that's the name of our podcast, Inside the Disney Vault on Campfire Media. Yeah, check us out on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to yours. That's Inside the Disney Vault. Let's go. Campfire.